Hello, and welcome to the Anchor Discipleship Podcast, a ministry of Rock Harbor Church. We want to help guide and grow you in your walk with the Lord by providing an in-depth study of God's Word with this lesson. So please grab your Bibles and let's set a course for spiritual maturity. Here's Pastor Brandon with this week's lesson. Go to page 158 in Footsteps of Messiah. Now we're smack dab in the middle of the rewards at the uh, judgment seat of Christ. And what we're going to look at is the five crowns. I think we talked about this one time, a long time before. But we'll look at the five crowns and the kinds of rewards that we get when we're with Christ at the judgment seat of Christ. And one of the things we see about the crowns is their Stephanuses, not diadems. Diadems are a king's crown. Stephanuses are what's given at a, a like the Olympics. It's a, like a laurel wreath type of thing. It's, it's, it's uh, not a diadem. So these are reward crowns, kind of like what we call a modern-day trophy type of thing. So there's five crowns mentioned. There's obviously more crowns probably, but these five are mentioned in Scripture as some of the kind of crowns Christians will get. The first crown is the incorruptible crown, as you can see in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 25, and it says this, Know ye not that that ye run a, uh, run in a race, run all, but one receives the prize, even so that ye may attain. And every man that strives in the games exercises self-control in all things. Now they do it to receive a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Now, what he's talking about of uh, this crown called an incorruptible crown is given to those believers who can exercise a mastery or a victory over the sin nature. What happens is most Christians struggle with their sin nature and many don't know how to get mastery over it or how to have victory and they struggle with things their whole life. And the idea in the Christian maturity is that we move on from victory to victory and we, the things we struggled with 10 years ago should not be the same things we're struggling with today. We should have victory and move on through victory. And so this is a reward for those who have victory over the sin nature. Not perfection, but have a general course of victory in dealing with the sin nature. So what does that imply? It implies this. You know your weaknesses. You know your vulnerabilities. You know why you act the way you act. It requires introspection on your part to do some self-analysis and saying, why do I do the things I do? Why do I behave the way I do? And then getting to the root of that and rooting that out. According to Hebrews chapter 12, a root of bitterness will grow up in people and that root will cause you to act out and it will affect other people. So the conquering Christian finds the root and gets it out of him so he can have victory. And one of the things you have to understand about a life is if you don't handle things with the grace and mercy that God will give you, then a root of bitterness will inevitably happen in your soul. That's how it starts, is that you don't use the tools to deal with the issues in your life that God has provided for. And there's going to be issues all the time. You know it. But if you don't handle them correctly, it'll cause a root. For instance, if pressure and stress is being put on you constantly, and you say, I just can't take this, I can't take this, I can't take this, 
And instead of going to God and saying, God, I need your grace and mercy on how to handle I need the tools that you've provided to handle the, the stress and the anxiety that I'm under. And you don't do that. And you say, you know what, I'm just going to turn to alcohol and I'm going to turn to drugs or, or prescription drugs to get me to handle this. And I'm not saying there's legitimate reasons to do this, but I'm just saying if, if, if turning to a bottle becomes the way you handle life, then you're not appropriating the right tools or the grace and mercy. And what will happen is you might feel good because you soothe the pain, but the root is in you. Some people become workaholics to soothe the pain. And it could be any addiction. It could be any addiction. It could be a hobby. It could be anything. So God is saying, please go my way. And if you go my way, you will, you will have victory. And I'm going to give you this crown, which is called an incorruptible crown. Let's go to the second crown. It's First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. The second crown is called the crown of rejoicing. For what is our hope, our joy, or crown of glory? Are not even ye before our Lord Jesus at his coming? And so this crown, he is talking to the Thessalonians that they were his crown of rejoicing. And the crown of rejoicing means it's a soul-winning crown. It's the reward of the people that you lead to the Lord. So this is more than just doing the Great Commission. This is going beyond the call of duty to be a soul winner to share the gospel with people, to, to do mission trips, to do evangelism in your own backyard. And because of that, you will receive a crown of rejoicing. Uh, one of the promises you, we have seen in the, the, the gospels is that Jesus was talking about using your money to win friends. And, and what he was meaning by this is that you need to use all your money and resources to evangelize. Because he says, when you get into heaven, they will meet you at the gate. So you will see the people you led to the Lord, they will be there to meet you at the gate, who you made friends with. And the idea of making, making a friend was, you used your money and resources for evangelism. And so you will receive this crown of rejoicing. <clears throat> the next crown on the next page Is his third crown, 2 Timothy 4, 7 through 8, speaks of a crown of righteousness. Paul was saying this, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith, henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the, the righteous judge, shall give to me at that day, and not to me only, but also to all of them that have loved his appearing. Now that's an interesting crown that you will be received. This is called the uh, uh, the crown of righteousness, which means that the Christian kept the faith. Number one, keeping the faith means that the person was doctrinally and morally pure, and because of that, they longed for the return of the Lord. Those typically who are not doctrinally pure don't understand eschatology many times. Because they have gaps in their theology, they typically mess up on, on eschatology. And so the two go hand in hand. So Paul was saying, I have kept the faith. I stayed doctrinally pure. 
So it's incumbent upon us to, to understand our doctrine, to remain doctrinally pure, and not be polluted by apostate types of teachings. And we, that can happen to us. Not that we can become full-blown apostates, but we can have gaps in our theology that just simply is not correct. I've been there, and I am still learning. I can tell you this, if I go back 20 years with the stuff I believed 20 years ago, I was wrong. And I had to change my theology because I was dead wrong. What I was doing in my early years is listening to guys who seemed like they knew what they were talking about, and I would just assume what they were saying is true, and I would put that on the scriptures. And I was 20-something years old. I didn't know any better. But as I grew and mature, I found out those guys are dead wrong. That's totally off the wall. And then I've had to change my theology because of that. And that's the idea that as you grow and mature, you should change your theology to become more pure. And that's the goal of every Christian, is to have a pure doctrine and that you keep the faith. This is why it's important that you know what you're reading, that you know who the author is, that you know theology, because then when you're reading books on the number one bestseller list at Berean or Lifeway, you know that they're junk books. Just go see the, the top ten sellers at Lifeway. Uh, it, it's a gas that they're even carrying these things. Joel Osteen, really? Really? He's new age. Word of faith. So that's the idea, is being doctrinally pure. So those who are doctrinally pure, morally and theologically, receive a crown for this. The fourth crown is the crown of life. It's mentioned in actually two passages in Revelation and James. And James says this, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he has been approved, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord promised to them that love him. So one of the aspects of this crown is that these people endure heavy, heavy temptation. Very, very hard temptation. Well, what is the temptation? Well, the temptation, many times you'll see in the book of Revelation, has to do with the temptation of not caving in to persecution. Not... not. Uh, denying the Lord through persecution. As you see in Revelation 2, it says this, Fear not the things which you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into a prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall be have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. So part of the temptation has to do with persecution coming and how that person handles the persecution. It kind of hits you between the eyes because the temptation... Okay, what we talk about, and I, I try to make everyone aware of what's going on currently, and I, I think that's a good thing, but what you cannot let it do to you is embitter you towards not evangelizing. Because if you, you continue to be provoked into this, you will turn into Jonah. Guaranteed. Guaranteed you will turn into Jonah. So we try to learn what's going on so we can be a more effective witness, as Paul would say, that knowing the signs of the times, Paul said, would allow you to become a better evangelist. Well, that's, that's connected. You can't disconnect that. If you're learning all this that's going on in the world, that means you are more effective in your evangelism. But if you disconnect and turn into Jonah, you will stop evangelizing. And now we have a problem. You have now been tempted to not evangelize. 
because of your anger. And if you want to see how angry Jonah was for the Lord even bringing salvation to the Ninevites, just read Jonah tonight and see his attitude about the whole deal. That attitude continued to carry on through the Lord's ministry, and he had to continue to correct Israel about this, this not being a light to the Gentiles. So don't ever stop being a light. Use what you're learning to evangelize. Uh, and then, obviously, martyrdom is, is, is involved in this as well, to the point of death. Last crown, number five. The crown of glory. 1 Peter 5, 2 through 4. Tend the flock of God which is among you, exercising oversight, not of constraint, but willingly, according to the will of God, nor yet for filthy lucre. That's big. Now he's talking to pastors or anybody that teaches the Bible in this passage. But of a ready mind, neither as lording it over the charge allotted to you, but making yourselves examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall be manifested, you shall receive the crown of glory that fadeth not away. The crown of glory is the crown given to anybody that teaches the Bible. Any Bible instructor. I don't care if you're like a third grade Sunday school teacher or you're a pastor. Anyone that dispenses the word of God is feeding the flock. That being the case, obviously there's a higher accountability, James says. Not many of you should become teachers because there's a higher accountability. But at the same time, those who do take up the challenge to teach the Bible receive a special reward for doing so and making sure it's doctrinally pure. The idea, notice that he says, he in, in, introduces this idea that a, not yet for filthy lucre. That's the temptation for most of what you see in the United States, is that some people will get into the, the game of religion, become a pastor, because there's big money in religion. Big money, especially in charismatic Christianity, is big money. And they get into it, to self-aggrandize themselves, to build their empire, to build their kingdom. And, and, and Peter's warning right here, if you do that, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. No, I, I think, you know, someone, someone learning through evangelism, uh, I think the Lord understands that. It would be one thing if the motive was wrong, like I'm going to intentionally mess this up. Uh, you know, it, it's the difference between someone stumbling through things. I don't consider that teaching per se. That's, that's a command that all believers have is to share the gospel through the Great Commission. So, but when you take on a teaching role, that means that there is a, uh, a formal lesson that you're creating and that you're dispensing out to feed people. Evangelizing, evangelizing is in one category and discipleship is another category. So teaching primarily resides in the discipleship area. So anybody that's teaching, whether it's a new believer or an old believer, is participating in discipleship. So really this is the discipleship crown and those who do the discipling, not so much who are evangelizing. Evangelism has its own crown. So this really strikes to the, the, the office of pastor slash teacher, which most pastors are, because they have the gift of teaching, but they're accountable for how they teach. And they're accountable for if they're lining their pockets which a lot of guys do. As you can see, all through the nation, the, the, you know, I, I always use First Baptist Dallas as an example. 130 million, really? 130 million dollars. Filthy lucre. They're doing it for filthy lucre. Yes, ma'am. Is crown, crown 
the primary context is, is he's talking with pastors, but the issue, the, 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 the sub-issue is teaching. And so anybody that teaches the Word of God is held at a very high standard, like James says, not many of you teach. If you, but you, if you do do it, you get this crown for dispensing the Word of God correctly. Now, yeah, a pastor is held to a very higher accountability, very different status as far as his office is concerned, but this is, this makes people understand that if, even if you're teaching a, uh, a class of kindergartners, you better know what you're doing. And this, this work that all of this is, this is the, the primary work of the church. So those who do it are typically the minority, by the way. They're the minority who does this. It's like that old 80-20 rule, that 20% of the church does 80% of the work. This is the work of the church. And what you'll find, that those who do these things are the minority. The majority of Christians sit on the sidelines. And here's the deal. They won't get any of these crowns. These crowns are not a guarantee. They're only a guarantee to those who actually do the things. And all these crowns represent going the second mile. That expends energy. It expends your own resources. It expends your own time. Like Jesus said, use your money to win friends. He was trying to put a priority even on money. How are you using your money? Where's your money going? Are you spending it all on yourself? And to these pastors who self-aggrandize themselves for filthy lucre, they're going to have an accountability for that. Oh, you wanted to build a dynasty? Oh, you wanted to build your kingdom? No reward for you. None. You had your reward on earth. And that reward will be left there to be burned up. Well, you know, if you're, you know, if Charles Stanley with, with Andy Stanley, look how Andy Stan turned out. What a nightmare that guy is. Uh, Ed Young Jr. Ed, Ed Young Sr., great preacher. Ed Young Jr., off the chain. Uh, uh, what's the other guy that went into heretic? Uh, Come on, help me. I didn't believe in hell. Rob Bell. When I was talking to Tommy Ice one time, we were on the phone, and we were talking about things going on, uh, and we were talking about Rob Bell. He had just went out and said that Love Wins book and making a big splash about there's no being no hell. And Tommy told me, he goes, Brandon, I knew his dad, and, and I knew when he, I knew him when he was a little boy. That kid had always been rebellious to his dad. His dad is solid, he's good Bible preacher and teacher, but Rob was rebelling against his daddy. And that's how he goes, that's all this is about. And so now he's an apostate. But again, what, what you're bringing up, and you can see all these people, is mama called, papa sent pastors. Not called of God, but called of mom and dad. Dad financed it, mama called. And then they're in pulpits and they don't know what they're doing because they don't have the gifts to be a pastor. And it's putting a square peg in a round hole. Andy Stanley, seriously? That dude doesn't say anything. Uh, Ed Young Jr., he walks around in skinny jeans and, and acts like he's cool, but nothing comes out of his mouth that's biblical. But they're, they're train wrecks. Absolute train wrecks. So you're pointing out, that's, a, that's an American phenomenon, by the way. To put your kids and everybody in your family in ministry and just assume that you're called of God. Big mistake. Yes. 
two different crowns. It doesn't mean that the person can't get multiple crowns, though. So a person could theoretically get all five crowns. But it, uh, theoretically, somebody could be a good evangelist and a great Bible teacher and get both. And, and they would be rewarded for both aspects. It is the crown of rejoicing. If, if in Philippians 2, the one that we, a couple pages back, that's the crown of rejoicing. When he was talking in Philippians, he was rejoicing in the fact that they were his fruit. They were his, his, um, his, his rewards. And he talks about them being a, like a crown of righteousness that's going to be given for evangelism. But there are more crowns, obviously, and they're not covered here, but We'll get to this next week, but here's the deal. When you see the 24 elders in heaven, and we'll see this next week, they repeatedly cast their crowns before our Lord. Anytime the, the, the triad of holy, holy, holy is given in heaven and it's sounded off, every time it's sounded off, the 24 elders cast their crowns before Christ. And it's not a one-time deal. It's, they constantly do it. Constantly, anytime Holy Holy is given, they constantly cast those crowns out. The 24 elders obviously will get into it a little more in depth. The 24 elders represent the church. And the idea is that when they see, you see the 24 elders casting their crowns, it means that they have been rewarded now. And they possess those crowns. So these crowns are with you for all eternity. And every time we worship the Lord, you cast them before Him. Constantly. Constantly. But they go right back on your head, though, too. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Anchor Discipleship. We hope that this message is a blessing to you and helps you grow towards a more mature understanding of God's Word. Rock Harbor Church has two other podcasts. The first is called The Anchor Sunday Sermons and is filled with pastors' Sunday messages. And the second is The Anchor Bible Study. It's filled with past and continuing Bible studies preached during our Wednesday evening services. If you enjoyed this message and would like to hear them, Please check the description of this episode or search your favorite podcast streaming services. Rock Harbor Church also has a print-to-order merchandise store. You can shop for Rock Harbor merch at rockharborchurch.store. Support for all three of our podcasts comes from your generous gifts and donations. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website, rockharborchurch.net. Keep looking up for our Redemption Dolls mirror. God bless.